What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm your host, Hayes. Today's episode, we'll be reviewing or taking a look at the Bulls offseason so far. And we'll be taking a look, evaluating what moves did they make, how are those moves going to impact or help improve the team standing from last season, if at all. And then we'll look at what ways can or avenues do the Bulls have to still improve the team, whether it's in this offseason or later on during the season. We'll get into all that and more on today's Chicago Bulls Central. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. All right, Bulls fans. So it's been an offseason, right? Uh, <laughs> it's you, you, so everything ranges from this. You, judging from Bulls Nation, the response to it, everything ranges from excitement over it, optimism to, you know, uh, discontent to just downright hate and just feeling like this front office didn't do enough to really improve this team. Now, so we're going to take a look at everything that's happened so far in the Chicago Bulls offseason, and we're going to just evaluate, right? This is not to necessarily say, uh, you know, to, to condemn them, glorify them or anything. It's just to really take an evaluation look and see where we sit, period. That's just what this is. We're going to take a look at what the Bulls uh, front office did do to try to improve this team, and that's what, what we're going to leave it at, right? I personally, just before we get into the details, the nitty and gritty of it, where I sit on everything currently is kind of just... I'm, I'm taking a wait-and-see approach, right? I'm just very much so taking a wait-and-see approach. But let's go ahead and get into it. First up, so far this offseason, the Chicago Bulls, in their first two um, acquisitions or additions to the team, it was Dalen Terry with the 18th overall pick, which a lot of Bulls fans, me included, really hoped for EJ Liddell there. Some other players hoped that maybe Mark Williams, somebody else would fall. And it was close to happening. A trade by the Detroit Pistons really affected a lot of what happened in that draft. We thought the Bulls would go for a big man or shooting. They really went for neither with D Dalen Terry. Now, Dalen Terry, front, by everything, the front office really believes in this guy. He's a he's a very much a AK-type pick at 6'7". Uh, he played point guard and shooting guard. I think he can even go more towards that shooting that uh, small forward role. In the long term, when you look at, like, look at DeMar DeRozan playing at 6'6", small forward for us. Um, but Dalen Terry shows a lot of raw kind of attributes, but not really a master of any. He shot the ball a, an effective three-point percentage, but didn't shoot the, the three ball very often, right? Didn't shoot the ball very much too much at all. And a lot of his athleticism, great speed, jumping, those type of things. Uh, had six, Like six, seven, seven-foot wingspan, again, an AK-type pick. Uh, projection could be maybe a defensive player, and we've already heard some really good things from him in the first summer league practice. Voted uh, the hardest worker at, in the first practice. Uh, things like that. Jo uh, coming at Patrick Williams. All, all good things that could very well be the reason why he gets some minutes early on this on um in this season for the Chicago Bulls and in his career. But a lot of Bulls fans were hoping for more. A lot of Bulls fans didn't know who Dalen Terry was. Now there have been a lot of things that have come out since to say Dalen Terry may end up being the still of this draft. Now I don't know how much I believe that to be, but if AK did do it again with Dalen Terry and getting a pick that a lot of people weren't looking at per se in Bulls Nation, and it end up being a a, a really good to great player for the Chicago Bulls. We'll see how that develops, but that's that was the first move. Then on same draft night, they did sign um, to a two-year deal, a two-way contract, Justin Lewis. Now, this is a small forward, uh, a power forward out of Marquette. Uh, didn't play against a big competition. Was kind of under the radar. He is very comparable to EJ Liddell. So those are the first two additions that the Chicago Bulls made in this offseason. And 
during the draft, like I said, a lot of people angry at the Bulls. I uh, didn't understand it. Some people have come around. They're kind of excited to see. I, for one, am going to be watching it very, t- very closely in Summer League. But then let's talk about what recently happened. And this is going to be where uh, we start We start uh, kind of questioning some of the, what the Chicago Bulls did. So first up, re-signing Zach Levine as, as you know, was the most likely thing. Five years, $215.2 million, with the fifth year being a player option on that year. Um, and that fifth year being a player option, kind of academic. Um, really it's there that if Zach is playing well and still playing at a high level, he's probably going to opt out of that to try to then re-up for even more money like we see a lot of players do. And so with that being said, um, yeah, kind of the, the Bulls did what needed to be done. That was that was the first thing that we needed to take care of as far as business-wise in this offseason was re-signing Zach Levine. I should say the number one priority. It's not the first thing that we took out to care of, but it was the number one priority. Next up. Andre Drummond signing for two years, $6.6 million with that second year being a player option. Now, the Bulls needed a backup center. That's one thing that we knew coming into this offseason we needed for sure was a backup center. Now, I know there have been a lot of Bulls fans down, down on this. I was initially too. I'm still, as I said before in another video, I'm not overwhelmed, not underwhelmed. I'm trying, kind of just whelmed and taking a wait and see approach with how Andre Drummond works out on this team. Two years, $6.6 million a player that can get you a double-double in limited minutes, in about 20 to 22 minutes, can get you a double-double. Now, there have been some Bulls fans that crazily think that Andre Drummond's eventually going to be the starting center. No, I don't even think we see much of him and Vooch out there together at all. And that was one of the things that I did hope to see the Bulls with whatever big man acquisition that they do was bring in somebody who can play next to Vooch, play next to Patrick Williams to maximize the minutes that they can give out there on the court. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. I don't think very much so, but we'll see. Um, but Andre Drummond comes in is a player that can is definitely going to rebound the ball. Offensive rebound is something that the Bulls severely needed. He is bringing in um, that second year being a player option. I think like the the Bulls in the second year playing option. We just saw us get burnt by that with Tony Bradley per se. Now, if they had to include the second year and they had to make it a player option to bring him in because of how low he's getting paid. I can kind of understand the one questionable thing with this Andre Drummond signing for me is that we did use part of our mid-level exception. We'll get into kind of the money of things, but that isn't too much more than what Andre Drummond's veteran minimum is. Keep in mind, everybody's vet vet minimum is a different amount. Um, So they could have kind of preserved that MLE money. But again, because of the Bulls and one thing that we'll talk about is them avoiding being hard cap, probably going to use that sign them under the MLE because they're only going to use a certain amount of money anyway. Now, like I said, with Andre Drummond, what he brings in as the backup center, I like as a backup center. Could we have gotten better? Could we have gotten a player that is that had higher upside, that offered more shooting, more offensive potential? That Yes, right? Those players were absolutely out there. And it does seem at least like the only reason we didn't get some of those players is the Bulls' ownership unwillingness to pay the luxury tax. Now, we'll get into that some, the avoidance to pay the luxury tax. But again, this is to identify. And a lot of a lot of Bulls fans are upset with that. Next up, the Bulls were rumored to talk to sign Danilo Gallinari. He decided on Boston. It was always going to be between Boston and Chicago that was rumored. He ended up going with Boston's deal. So the Bulls then made a lateral move to sign to re-sign Derrick Jones Jr. to a two-year $6.6 million deal. Now, there's something about that 6.6 number, right? Something about that. Um, I think that they re-signed Derrick Jones Jr. seeing, hey, we're probably not going to get Danilo Gallinari. Well, we're not getting Danilo Gallinari weighed the other options of players that were out there and said, hey, let's bring this guy back. $3.3 million. It's an easily movable contract if you do need it. And then one of the things with the Bulls avoiding being hard capped, it is potentially to be able to make a deal if one presents itself 
later on in the season. And because of that, sometimes you do have to have contracts that you can fill in. Now, one of the things that I do want to say with Derrick Jones Jr. and Javante Green and Dalen Terry, these are all very similar players, players that can play out on the wing. I think uh, Derrick Jones Jr. is more of a 3-4, a three, uh, three, whereas Javante Green is a 2-3 who played a lot of 4-4s four last season. And Dalen Terry is kind of a... We'll see. Like that Wesley Matt, I always say I think he's gonna fill that Wesley Matthews kind of rookie first two seasons in the league where they he played everything from point guard to the two to the three. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, but very similar players, players that don't necessarily shoot the best percentage from three-point range, athletic, leapers. Uh can't wait to see uh if if uh if Dale and Terry joins them in the uh the the five slam pajama is what it's called, uh, and just being Athletic dunkers, athletic players who can get out there and shoot the ball some. But there are, there's some overlap there, right? So we'll see what happens with that. I really do think ultimately this Derrick Jones Jr. resigning was, A, to use some of that money and to bring in another player to fill out that. They have one open spot, but I think they're going to keep a spot open, but to fill a roster spot and could potentially be traded if that trade flexibility is there. So with those signings, those draft picks, everything coming in, where do the Bulls sit right now? We currently still have $7.2 million left of our mid-level exception. We have a $5 million trade player exception. And of course, we can always sign players at the uh, veteran minimum. So contracts-wise, the Bulls right now sit at nearly $100 million in just uh, contracts for Zach, DeMar, Vooch, and Lonzo. They're $3 million away from the luxury tax. And the reason why, and the one thing that we talked about, is that there are of two minds, right? Are the Bulls trying to avoid the luxury tax? Or are they just trying to avoid hard capping themselves because again if the bulls do make a trade that increases their salary at all after hard capping themselves they wouldn't be able to make they wouldn't be able to make that trade so they do save flexibility in how they can and what maneuvers they can make during the season and again this is not to excuse this is to identify and so that everybody knows what's out there right now the chicago bulls with the moves that they have made have not hard capped themselves that opens them to uh, to bring in a player with a high, with a higher salary if needed towards the middle of the season Still in this offseason, if needs be, they still maintain most of the mid-level exception as well. And that trade player exception, which I think doesn't expire to the end of July, right? So those are the assets that they still have. Now, there, there's of some mindset when we talk about how upset the fan base is with this team, right? Is the luxury tax. You have people that are of the mindset of, well, you don't pay the luxury tax until you're a championship team. There are some that are say you pay the luxury tax to become a championship team. There are some people that say you just pay the luxury tax to improve this team because most teams in the league play the luxury tax. Where do I sit on it, right? The way that I sit is that I feel like most of the teams that become championship teams and avoid the luxury tax are because they've drafted so well, right? Most of the players on those teams that you see that have avoided the luxury tax and be, been championship contending teams have drafted most of the players that are on those teams. Those players have also worked out and they were able to take advantage of before those players qualified for huge maxes to re-sign those players to extensions and still have cap flexibility to add to the team. The Chicago Bulls are, aren't qualified for that. Almost every player on this team, except Kobe White, except Patrick Williams, except Dalen Terry, um, except Io DeSumo, were all either signings or traded to this team. So right then, you lose that possibility, that, that possibility of avoiding the luxury tax. Now, one could say, how well can, how well can you build this team without going into the luxury tax. I'm of the mind that I can understand not going into the luxury tax unless you make a surefire deal that makes you a championship contender. None of the deals that, that have been rumored for the Bulls, even the Rudy Gobert trade, the, the, the Jeremy Grant, the Miles Turner things from last season, none of those make you surefire NBA championship contender. But at the same time, when teams around you are making moves, you also have to improve 
or you're just by nature you're falling down in stand. We'll talk about how the Bulls can improve and how they how, what their path to improving is this season. But with that being said, that's kind of where things sit at now with the luxury tax, with hard capping. These are the reasons why those things and the kind of the mindset around the Chicago Bulls nation right now with that type of thing. So let's get into the next one. How do how much has this team improved, if at all? When you look at, A, you have two players in Lonzo Ball and Patrick Williams, two players that are in your starting lineup that you got less than 50 games from combined, right? It's hard to question how much this team has improved because we never really got to see what this team's vision was at full last season. Even by the time Patrick Williams came back, Lonzo was gone, right? The injuries that we dealt with, Zach never being 100%, Derrick Jones Jr. having his issues, Javante being out at one point, the COVID ravaging at one point in time. We never really got to see this team at its most optimal, so I can understand some optimism there on that this team is even better than what they showed last season. But how much did these moves that the Bulls make honestly improve the team it's going to be really hard to say that it, it, it it's going to be hard to judge that right we don't know how Andre Drummond is going to fill in this team we don't know how he's going to play on this team 28 year old player who some people think is older because he's been in the league for 10 years but he's only 28 years old basically the same age as Zach Levine is he an improvement over Tristan Thompson absolutely Tony Bradley's still on the roster, unfortunately. But yes, he's an improvement over Tristan Thompson. How that ends up impacting the team, does Vooch fit into his role better? Does Billy Donovan have a better system for this team? Those type of questions exist. But let's talk about what the Bulls are betting on with this roster if this is the last move. Again, I make this video a little bit, I'm technically making this video a little bit early. Free agency is nowhere close to over. The offseason isn't anywhere close to being over. But it seems like the Bulls are very much betting on the internal development of some of their key players. First up, let's say Ayo Desumu. Ido Sumo, who was a scorer in college, we didn't really see a lot of that scoring last season. We saw some of it, but not a, a huge amount of it. And again, Ido Sumo had a 16% turnover rate last season. Does that, how much does that improve, help improve the team? How much does Ido having another year of confidence with his offensive game and being more aggressive help him and help this Bulls team because he can shoot the ball better than what he displayed last season? Let's talk about Patrick Williams as, as well. Patrick Williams, only a 14.2% uh, usage rate, 16% in the playoffs. 12% turnover rate, which is actually a pretty low turnover rate. But Patrick Williams, even with that being said, one thing that we're starting to see with Patrick Williams is he's better as a player that you play through. And a 14% usage rate is not going to get it done. A, a Using him to shoot those corner threes when he's not that, and he has he does need to get his release quicker, It's not it's, they're not being used to the optimal, right? So that, that health. Health is another thing that this team is betting on. I already talked about it. Less than 50 games combined from Patrick Williams and Lonzo Ball, two, two out of your five star, right? That's a, also a year of progression that Patrick Williams could have possibly missed out on, but him working with the DeMar and things, hopefully we, we catch back up on that. But even what's going on with Lonzo Ball, when we're saying if, if, a, if a front office is asking us to bet on health, what is the health of, of Lonzo Ball? That's a big question still left in this offseason, one that we hope to see answered soon. But this team is betting on health, and I would say that because of the Zach Levine injury, Patrick Williams, Lonzo, the COVID things, that there is a lot of optimism and should be in if this team can stay healthy. Now, again, somebody could say, well, what, what is health in the NBA? You can never bet on health. Understand that as well. But this team is hoping for better health, helping take them into a different place than what they were last season. And then let's talk about one of the biggest things that I want to talk about, and this is, we're talking about this team improving. I think a change in the offense and using players in better roles. I already talked about it a little bit about Patrick Williams. Talked about Ayo DeSumo can, can improve. We talked about before in different videos how Kobe White was turned into just a shooter when he's not just a shooter, and it does appear that Kobe White is going to be on this team. 
Lonzo Ball was not used to his optimal either. We saw Lonzo Ball, when he was at least a little bit more, average 18, 8, and 6. So I think that Billy Donovan, as well as improvement on the defensive end, because why the constant use of drop coverage when you have players that don't do the best in drop coverage, that's a story for another day. But again, some of the development is not always going to come from just going out and signing a bunch of players. Now, again, I'm not excusing them not signing players to deals that they could have signed to if they would have thought that they would have drastically improved the team. But either way, no matter what other signings that were going to happen, signing free agents were never going to save this team. There is, does have to be some internal development and internal improvement from a lot of players on this team. But how else can the Bulls improve, right? Before we end this video, let's talk about some of the things that the Bulls and assets the Bulls do have if they want to improve this team through acquisitions or trades. So as we know, the Bulls were shopping Kobe White. Seems like they didn't get the market that they, that they wanted for him. If he comes in, has a great start to the season, he could absolutely be a trade chip at the trade deadline. So Kobe White is definitely one of those assets. I already talked about Derrick Jones Jr. and the fact that him as a throw-in could be. Uh, Tony Bradley as well, contract's not very high, $2.2 million, I think. Could very well be traded. I think it's 2.1. Could very well be traded as well. We still have five, a $5 million trade player exception that does expire, I believe, at the end of January. $7 million of our mid-level exception still left. Vooch is an expiring contract if a major deal pops up that you need to match huge salaries with. And Vooch at that $22 million contract is a definitely a trade asset to, to, to improve this team through acquisitions. And the Portland Trail Blazers first rounder as well. Now, those, what does that, what could that get you, right? The thing is, unless a player just wants to come to the Chicago Bulls and demands that, that's not a lot to get you per se a superstar type player now it could be right we can see how things can go but those are the assets that the bulls have left to go out there and get something with i'm not going to even name a bunch of trade targets because we don't know right we don't know who's going to come come available at, after 10 games of the season when a team is just looks like they're not going to get it together and a coach gets fired after 10 to 15 or 20 games into the season and the team may look to try to blow some things up miles turner is one that's still out there like i said i like miles turner as an addition to this team not having him replace Vooch, but as adding him to this team, absolutely like Miles Turner there. I just have never liked him as a replacement for Vooch because of the limitations there. But again, not naming necessarily trade as trade targets. And then free agency, right? So we talked about assets that we can use in in an uh, in an acquisition type move, right? In, in in a trade basically. Let's talk about free agents out there that still could bring some of the scoring or shooting or toughness that that are out there for the Chicago Bulls and some that you guys have brought up. So TJ Warren I've been very vocal on the fact that I don't like necessarily TJ Warren because of the two years that he's been out. And apparently his medicals still aren't 100% clear. That's why he's not signed yet. So as TJ Warren, if he were to be acquired by the Bulls, if it's a veteran minimum deal, I'm all for it. If you have to go and yeah, still avoid the luxury, TJ Warren is not a player that you want to go into the luxury tax for. But avoiding using that mid-level exception would help with that, right? You only get hard capped if you use that mid-level exception. So bringing him in at a veteran minimum deal kind of, qualms all that and if he's not healthy you can cut him easily jonathan isaac is a lot of people that you guys brought a lot of a uh, person that a lot of you guys have brought up as well um injury prone does have some of the intangibles that we look for still very young could develop some i wouldn't want to necessarily bet on him but again injury prone um he is some a target that could be out there and as we go further along in free agency and he doesn't get a deal it could be more likely that he can be gotten for less another player caleb martin now caleb martin I didn't really do it on my initial free agent list because I, I thought the Bulls were going to prioritize using maybe that full mid-level exception on a big. But now looking at that, Caleb Martin, 41.3% from the field, 
9.2 points per game, almost four rebounds a game, a 48, I'm sorry, 14.82 PER player efficiency rating in 22 minutes per game last season. That's a hell of a bench player there. That's a bench player that can come in and give a lot of what the Bulls need. Would I be interested in Caleb Martin? Yes, but I think in, in any deal we're looking at maybe cutting or trying to trade away Tony Bradley, because I think the Bulls are going to try to leave that last roster spot completely open for a trade or if something pops up, or like I said, to bring in uh, uh, two-way players if they do take a look and they want to bring Justin Lewis up for a couple of games, something like that. I think they may leave that roster spot open. I could be wrong on that. But that's the Bulls offseason in a nutshell, where we've gone, what we've done, what we could do, where we sit, future things. That's everything in a nutshell. What grade would I give the Chicago Bulls offseason so far? I think a C- minus for me. Just looking at everything, it's just, it's nothing special, right? But it's not anything necessarily bad or terrible either, taking expectations out the way. But let me know your guys' grade on the Chicago Bulls offseason so far. Let me know that down below. I'll probably also put up a poll on that as well on the community tab. Um, but yeah, it's the this Bulls offseason has not gone the way that I think almost any pundit, right? I listen to a lot of Bulls creators. I don't think any of us thought that this offseason would go the way that they did. We thought the Bulls would be, uh, the, the draft went a completely different way than a lot of us thought that we that it would. Um, the free agency went completely different than what most Bulls pundits thought that this offseason would go. But with that being said, you know, labeling it, identifying it, whatever you want to call it, it's hard to feel inspired by this offseason. I think even the most optimal C-Red Bulls fan would it, would it, could admit that. It's really hard to think that the Bulls did all that they could do to improve the team. And that's one of the things that does suck, right? Because you see other options that the Bulls could have went to improve it, even if you do understand everything about, hey, avoiding the luxury tax, things like that. It's just really hard to be inspired and, and as excited about this offseason as we were last offseason. But listen, this Bulls team is still a hell of a team, a hell of a team. And people saying that, oh, the Bulls are going to be lucky to be a playoff team. No, get the fuck out of here with that shit. This team is going to be a playoff team next year. To say that is fear-mongering, and I understand it being, it, it, listen, did this feel like a guard packs offseason? I can't even deny it. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, right? It, it, it puts you in that mindset. It puts you in that mindset some. But there's still so much better coming from this team. And I think this team is so much better than even a lot of Bulls fans are giving them credit to be. But let me know what you guys think about all that down below. Like I said, give me your grade for the Chicago Bulls offseason so far. I would love to hear from you guys. I appreciate you guys so much. Make sure you're following the show at Bulls Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullscentralpod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text and or voicemail, the number to do so is 773-270-2799. If you want to follow me personally, you can do so at CEO Hayes. That's C-E-O-H-A-I-Z-E. But other than that, thank you for tuning in. Like I like to end every episode on C-Red. Go Bulls. Love you guys. Peace, y'all. This has been a presentation of The Break Break Media. Media.